This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast, we are done with the single elimination game. Now, on to the best two of three. The Rock, the Mammoth, the Seals, and the Bandits all advance, and we will be talking to all four defensive coordinates, plus another round of box bets. All that more on OTCB. I am an My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League Action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? By Dylan Ward. I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Flair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! First NFL goal! Sam Clare makes it 2-1. Colorado and now you can see the Calgary fans starting to head home as they know this one is no doubt in the books and a loose ball comes back out at center there's a wide open net Steve Riolo is there Riolo tipping it back over to Frank Brown he scores empty net how about Matt Mitz two humongous saves he's getting high fives from his teammates right now Clock down to 10. Far side Crowley stripped by Brody Merrill. And the loose ball king flings it out into space. San Diego's going to hang on and win their first postseason game in franchise history. How fitting. It's the team captain who comes up with the takeaway to seal it. Well, one week in the books, do or die is done, and we're on to the best of three. What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Off the Crossbar Podcast. I am your host, Teddy Jenner, along with our other host, Pat Gregoire. You can find him on Twitter, at P. Greggy. I am at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast, and on Instagram, OTCB podcast. We had a little bit of everything. We had a couple high-scoring games. We had a couple low-scoring games. Of course, we had the overtime thriller between the Thunderbirds and the Rock. Just what you expected in an opening round of sudden death, do or die, win and in, lose and out, winner take all, one game format. Patty, you were there and 
Hamilton. We watched all across the country in San Diego, in Calgary, and of course in Buffalo. And we were treated to some unreal across to start the postseason. I think it's obvious to say that when you look at it on paper or even just the way the, the game unfolded, that that Halifax-Toronto game was, was the best game or the most exciting game. But even looking at those other games like those ones were super tight as well despite like what the score um maybe said like that albany buffalo game that that was closer than than a five goal game we obviously know san diego and philly was a it was a one goal game but even that colorado calgary game 16 to 12 like all the games were super super tight um but i i, I will say like man uh, we talk about expect the unexpected, but I think maybe at the halfway point, these are the teams that we kind of expected to be there. So, yeah, the, the theme of the season has been, you know, upsets and underdogs and, and teams battling back. Well, once the, the, the smoke and the dust is settled, I think we might have our best four teams playing right now in the conference finals. Yeah, and I'm sure fans of Calgary and Albany and Halifax and Philadelphia might argue some of those points. But as the season went along, these were generally sort of the four best teams throughout the majority of the season. Of course, San Diego went on that big slide where they lost six of the last seven and snuck into that first overall seed in the West. So they weren't playing their greatest, but they and Colorado were one, two for much of the year. Toronto and Buffalo, one, two for the entire year. So we are sort of trimming the fat, as they say, no offense or disrespect intended, but we are getting the best of the best at the right time. So your quarterfinals, oh, sorry, your conference finals, Buffalo-Toronto, that gets going on Sunday, and Colorado-San Diego gets going on Friday. That game can be seen on ESPNU. The Buffalo-Toronto game will be on TSN. Uh, you and John Abbott will be there. We are going to have some incredible lacrosse, and we have four incredible guests for you this week. We will talk with all four defensive coaches of the teams that are remaining in the postseason. Andrew McBride from the Colorado Mammoth, Bruce Codd from the Toronto Rock, Billy Greer from the San Diego Seals, and from the Buffalo Bandits defensive coach and general manager Steve Chugger Dietrich. So we will have all four teams covered. We'll talk some defense. We'll talk some strategy. And we'll get their viewpoints on what will be two absolutely fantastic series. Uh, do you have a thumbs up, thumbs down from the weekend, Patty? My thumbs up, certainly. Uh, it should come as no surprise, but it, it's a thumbs up to the Halifax Thunderbirds for battling back in that second half. Down 9-3 at the start of the third quarter. And, and they crawl back and they go on that five goal run in the fourth to, to regain the lead. And then Schreiber ties the game up. We go into overtime. I mean, it's, this is kind of like a microcosm of the second half of their season. They come mm -hmm. out super flat, but they have, you know, the intestinal fortitude to battle back. Cause you know, there's a, I don't know how many teams would have been able to dig deep after what they went through in that second half of that season. And they battle back and they're inspired by their emotional leader in Cody Jamison. And, you know, their, their, their goalie gets pulled in the, in the first half and yeah. uh, Aaron Bold comes in and plays great, but 
the comeback kind of falls short. And I think when you look at them in the second half, they did fight back. They did claw. They could have packed it in. And that's what Micah Hersey said when we talked to him before uh, leading up to that game during the week that, yeah, you know what? The way they finished the regular season wasn't the way that they wanted to. They did put a couple wins together, and he was proud of that. And he felt that a lot of other groups, he doesn't know how many other teams would have you know, dug deep. They could have easily just packed it and said, you know what, this isn't for us. And, and they yeah. felt like they had enough, and maybe it wasn't quite enough to beat a great Toronto team. There's going to be a bunch of what-ifs. And if you have a chance, if you haven't already, go to Halifax Twitter feed and watch that that post-game speech by Cody James and he summarizes everything perfectly and that's why he's the best leader in this game so uh, kudos to them thumbs up to them I want to say they're going to be back because I know they're going to be back but this roster is going to and probably look very different next year yeah Um, they they have a lot of UFAs uh, they have a bunch of RFAs as well it will be a much different looking team. I imagine. I think some of the core will stay there, but I think yep. at the end of the day, you know, you could see a pretty large turnover from this club from this year to next year. But uh, that is for off season talk. We are still in post playoff talk. Um, I think I would say my thumbs up is Matt Vince uh, and that Buffalo bandits defense. They were just, as steady as they go, obviously coming off that mm-hmm. loss to Toronto and not playing their best lacrosse down the stretch was, you know, not uh, the way they wanted to go into the playoffs. But as soon as that game started, you could see that they had flipped the switch and they were back in bandit mode. And the way that Matt Vince played that game, holding Albany just to five goals in front of 12,000 and a half fans inside bandit land, he just proved that he, him and that team are the team to beat. And I thought it was just a very steady game from Matt Vince. I thought it was a textbook defensive game plan from the bandits. They really held Albany throughout that game. And then once they started to go on that run, Albany just couldn't keep up. And I think that's what Buffalo strength is. You can just silence teams and you can shut teams down but they have that extra gear when they need it to turn the offense on and kind of run away from game. So that was my thumbs up. I just thought it was an expertly well-played game by the Buffalo Bandits, and they are definitely going to be hard to beat, but we will talk with Bruce Codd later and ask him. They, the Raw beat Buffalo two or three times. The only team, I think, to do that, maybe Albany did as well. Um but everyone's saying, oh, Buffalo, you can't beat Buffalo in a two of three. You can't beat Buffalo in a two of three. Well, a couple teams have shown that they can do it. So it'll be interesting to see the game plan that the Toronto Rock come up with to go against this Buffalo team in a two of three when they don't have home floor advantage and see how they come away with things. There's our two thumbs up. Got to give our thumbs down now, Teddy. I'll start. My thumbs down goes to me. Oh, I'm a dummy. Oh, I have a stupid brain. Oh. People are mad. Oh. My hot takes were freezing cold. <laughs> first seed in the East, the first seed in the West did not lose. In fact, they won, and they looked pretty darn good while doing it. Shame on me. 
I was trying to put out a, a, a spicy take. Mm-hmm. I was doing my best Skip Bayless impression. I was doing my <laughs> best Stephen A impression. But I did. You know what? I did. I did believe that there was a chance that both those teams could lose. But they played a lot like the team that we saw uh, when they were playing their best. And they proved me wrong. They're both very good teams. And I knew they were good teams. That just was afraid maybe they weren't playing their best lacrosse at the right time. Well, they started the playoffs with a clean slate. They look much better. They look like they are a team that maybe a lot of people at the start of year picked to be championship contending teams. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to be in the mix, obviously, in this conference final. So sorry to Bandit Land. Sorry to Seals Nation. I'm a dummy. You guys won. Kudos to you. Shame on me. You're a dummy. <laughs> I mean, we are. Um, yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I honestly, I don't think I have a thumbs down. Like, I could be selfish and say thumbs down because there's no Western Canadian team uh, in the conference finals, but I, I don't want to say that because I just feel so gutted for the Calgary Roughnecks and everything they've been mm-hmm. through this year and, and how they played and just the unfortunate they lost that game. So I will throw a side thumbs down, and that's to the uh, media member in Calgary who used the term, you guys got lit up. Uh, when speaking with Kurt Miloski in the post-game press conference, um, much like Patty saying he was a dummy for picking the two number one seeds to lose, if you're a media member and you have a post-game opportunity to ask a player or a coach a question, don't be an idiot. Use your words carefully and ask legitimate questions. Don't be that guy that's trying to get a hot quote from a player or a coach just respect them understand that a team has just had their season ended and then you go ahead and ask a stupid ass question like that be better it's not about headlines it's not about clickbait getting a genuine answer and i thought kurt mosky handled that question extremely well i thought he handled the whole situation really well but just a massive thumbs down to some media members who are just looking for clickbait. Don't be that guy. Be better. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. So, like I said, I thought all the games were fantastic. I didn't really have any issues or complaints about anything that went going on. You know, obviously the numbers of attendance outside of Buffalo weren't the greatest. Uh, 7,200 in in Hamilton, 6,700 in San Diego, 6,000 in Calgary. Um, obviously lots going on in some of those markets, but still, I'm not going to harp on that. I, I, I don't want to be a negative Nelly. I thought it was just an outstanding weekend of lacrosse and we're just going to get more as we move forward. And when we move forward, it will be the conference finals, Toronto and Buffalo, San Diego and Colorado. These are two very deeply rooted rivalries. Like, I don't think there are too many more heated rivalries. Maybe, you know, like the old Buffalo Rochester, Buffalo Philly uh, were some pretty deep rivalries. Calgary Vancouver has a pretty good rivalry, Calgary Toronto, but you know, Buffalo Toronto an hour away from each other, right across the border. It will be a fan filled affair in those two games. 
San Diego, Colorado have roots all the way back to the very first game in San Diego franchise history. It roots back to when Steve Govett and Josh Gross left the Colorado organization to start the San Diego organization. So there are so many deeply rooted storylines in these two series. It's just going to make for some absolutely compelling storytelling and compelling lacrosse action. Do you have a favorite storyline going into these two series? For me, you already mentioned it, and I don't even know if it's really necessarily a a storyline, but it's just the historic rivalry between Toronto and Buffalo. And Mm -hmm. um, the fact that Buffalo, you know, from start to almost finish was the heavy favorite um, to win the NLL Cup, um, still are on cool bet, but certain people you ask are now starting to lean towards this Toronto team, the way that they played down the stretch. And another wrinkle in, as you mentioned it, it's not just Toronto Buffalo anymore. It's Toronto who plays in Hamilton to <laughs> Buffalo. So that means like that, that is a significantly close driver drive for Toronto fans to get down to Buffalo on Sunday. And then the following week, you better believe that there's going to be a healthy dose of bandit land inside mm-hmm. that building. Like mm-hmm. this is renewing the rivalry to a new level. Um, and both these teams, despite how historic they are and how decorated they are and how well they've done in recent years, they're both hungry for a championship. Yeah. They both want to put a banner in that, building so to me uh i mean no no offense to calgary no offense to san diego uh but this game this series here i think the team that wins the east is going to come out uh and win the west that's also a fiery take because i could totally see san diego or or colorado winning but i just think that both these teams are going to be so battle tested after what i think will be uh, a three-game dogfight that they're going to be ready to go for that final. Hopefully, they don't bang each other up too much um, and they limp in the finals. But uh, I, I just can't wait for this series to start. I think both series go three games. I, I think okay. it's just I think it's just kind of leading that way. Uh, I, I like that. that way because then we don't have a week off between when the conference finals and the finals begin. We can just roll right in to that final best of three. I think people that are saying the NLL final is the East final are really not giving enough credit to what the Mammoth are doing and how good the Seals are. Yes, the Seals have been a shell of themselves for the last little bit, but now they're starting to hit their stride. They're in playoff mode. We heard um, Billy Greer, you'll hear him say it. It's almost like that was like a play-in game, and now they're really in the playoffs. And because... You know, it, it's a one game and you're winning, you're out, you're, you're moving on, you lose and you're out. But now you got a best of three. So it's now you really feel like you're in playoff mode. So I think people that are saying that it's either Toronto's or Buffalo's to lose are just disrespecting Colorado and San Diego. I think I said, I think both these series goes three games. I think they're just going to be absolute dog fights. I think the West is just going to be a, a drag them out, shootout. And I want to say the East is just going to be a defensive grind with the way Rosie and Vino are playing. 
goals are going to be at a premium. And these are two of the best offenses in the entire National Cross League. And I really feel like they could struggle. Like most, I think the three games that they played, nobody had more than 12 goals in the three games. So uh, I think it's going to be a race to like 13 or 14. Uh, but I can see all three of those games being seven, eight, sevens, nine, sevens, 10, five, like low scoring defensive grinds. But out West, the way Dylan Ward played and the way Frank Shiliano played, you could see them, you know, maybe be in high scoring games, but they both have the ability to just shut the door. And we could see all, all both series being just defensive grinds where goals are going to be hard to come by. And I think for those that like those style of play, I think it's going to be an, an outstanding finals. But at the same time, you just never know in this league. We, we keep saying, expect the unexpected. Like I thought that Toronto game against Halifax was going to be way under, and it was one of the highest scoring games of the weekend. So I don't really know how these games are going to be played out, but I just know they're going to be absolutely insane to watch because all four teams are going to be playing at their most elite and it is going to be fun to watch when it all gets started on Friday night. And and let me correct myself. Uh, that oh. more or less was a prediction. I just think that the, I, I, I've been saying probably since, oh God, I don't even know. I, I've been on the record for a while saying that I think Toronto is going to be the championship team. And mm-hmm. I think that they are uh, the team that's poised, uh, most well-rounded to win a championship. Um, so that's why I'm saying if they can beat Buffalo, I think they're going to win the title. And um, if Buffalo can knock off a defense in Toronto, I think they're going to be able to do the same with the other two. But with that being said, those other two teams, man, like maybe they're not as consistent defensively as a Toronto team, but like when San Diego is, playing their systems and Frank Giuliano is making his stops. Like we saw what they're able to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the thing with Colorado is they're not the old Colorado of, of days where, you know, they have to try to keep the game within, you know, a 10 or a 12 spot. Yeah. They can win in so many different ways. And I think that's the great thing about these four teams. They can win in shootouts. They can win in tough grinded yeah. out games and they can win in the transition battles. So, I don't think anyone really has a advantage over each other because they're just so close in certain areas. Maybe one team has the edge in transition while the other team has their edge in, in, in offense. So I just think that anywhere you slice it, these conference games are going to be unreal, but whoever the two teams in the finals are going to meet, I think it's, it's just, you know, playing up for an even better NLL finals as well. I completely agree. Um, what is so the final you're picking is Toronto and who? I'll say Toronto, Colorado is yeah, my. I kind, of, I kind of feel the same way. Um, I, I would love to see the Rock win it. Obviously, you know, the Bandits are trying to end that championship drought of what is it now? 15 years. Um, no, it's less than that, like eight years, I think. Um, that I think 
I honestly think the Toronto Buffalo series is harder to call than the San Diego Colorado series. And even the Colorado San Diego series is a hard one to call. So I have no idea. I'm going to say Toronto, Colorado. I'm going to agree with you. I think in a three game set, Colorado can outlast San Diego. I think they just have more depth on both sides of the ball. And then I think Toronto is just a, a runaway train right now. They're 11 and two in their last 13. Uh, they beat Buffalo twice. They have everything working in their favor. And I think Matt Sawyer is going to have his group charged up. And I, like I said, on coast to coast a couple weeks ago, uh, if Toronto can win, it's because Nick Rose shuts teams down. And if Nick Rose shuts teams down and they win, he's going to be your championship MVP. Uh, speaking of awards, the National Cross League today announcing that um, the league awards will be uh, finalists and winners will be public after the conclusion of the playoffs. Uh, they are doing a voting system. Um each team selected three people to vote. It was basically each team submitted a nominee and then each team submitted three people to vote on all the nominees and a select group of media were allowed to vote as well. Um, and the ballots were based on a 10 point system. So 10 for first, seven for second, five for third, three for fourth and one for fifth. And they'll add up all those to create a top three. And then the voting will be done after that so the only one the media didn't vote on is executive of the year but voting is in progress and i think it's we talked about it all year long it's maybe been the hottest topic we talked about all year long Mm -hmm. of who some of these awards were going to be do you have has anything changed for you obviously playoffs notwithstanding uh, but we haven't really talked about this in a while um are you still kind of leaning the way you've always been leaning on most of your awards? I think so. I, I really do. I think, uh, I think there, you could, and we talked about this a, a little while ago. I think, I think it's just so tough this year. Like I, I honestly think that there's three, maybe even four possibilities, you know, for MVP. I think mm-hmm. transition I think Courier runs away with it just because of the historical year. But if Challen Rogers or Reed Bowering won it, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised either, right? Goaltender like Matt Vince and and Nick Rose, I think are one A one B right now. Yeah. Um, you know, Defender of the Year, I think there's a handful of guys. Yeah, that um, might be the most open. I think so, and I I think the Toronto Rock have two of them in in Mitch Disney <laughs> and Brad Curry. We're gonna like, have Bruce Scott about that too. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like Steve Priolo, just like sneakily just kind of just had a little bit of a quiet start no one really talked about him then like just turns his game on there and that's just kind of the player he is but there's so many guys um you know Midsky in in yeah. in Vancouver like what an unbelievable year he had of, of course I don't think he's going to get nearly as many votes uh because of the way that season ended but I think I think the same um Hunter did you want to run through no 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 we don't need to do that okay um, yeah. okay Okay. <laughs> I, I I'm I'm kind of of the same mind for most of those as you. I think defender of the year is wide open. I'm pretty sure coach of the year is wrapped up. Uh, GM is always a difficult one because how do you base it? Do you base it on moves that they made in season? Do you base it on moves that they made before the season to help their team get better? Yeah. Do you do you you know give negative? 
uh, marks or, or minus score to a coach that di- or a GM that didn't make moves. Uh, so that one's always a tough one to gauge. I don't really know if there's a standout GM of the lot, but there were some general managers who made some really good moves. Mm-hmm. Um, the question for me is, could you see Reed Bowering being a finalist for both defender and transition player of the year? Um, I mean, I could see it. I, I don't, and that just opens up a completely different <laughs> can of worms. Like, I I would, lo- and I, I mean, I would love for it to just be changed to offensive, like defender of the year or, but then, then mm. you're taking away like a guy like, Chad- yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Like, is that, is that, do we do something like that? Is it more of a specialized, but then like, like if you look at it from like a, a transitional standpoint, like Challen Rogers didn't run out the back door as much as he did, but he was playing out the odor and running back in reverse transition. Like, so he's a guy that I think is going to lose some, some votes because his cause turnover numbers aren't as high this year and his loose ball Mm -hmm. numbers aren't as high, but he was playing on the power play. So I think it's just all so subjective. I think it's depending on how the voter looks and I don't know. It just opens up a complete can or I wouldn't be surprised, but I think there are probably a couple of more defenders that are maybe a little bit more, deserving to be in mm. the top three for defenders um but bowering's got to be in the top three he's got to be a nominee for 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 transition oh, here absolutely yeah. has to maybe we'll ask our first guest of four that very question we will go around the league talk to all four defensive coaches first up mikaga roughnecks dan mcbride right here on the off the crossbar podcast former captain of the calgary roughnecks national crossing champion and current defensive coach, the Colorado Mammoth, Andrew McBride, joins us on the show. Brider, how are you, brother? Good, fellas. How are you? Uh, we cannot – and we were just talking about um, vendors and transition players and year-end awards. And do you think they should get away from the transition player award or should it and just be defensive or should it be like the NHL where they have a best defensive forward award? Do you like the categories that they have? Well, it's a tough one because you got guys like Challen Rogers, who's on the power play. Then he's, you know, playing defense. You got guys like Zach Courier who play some shift up on the O-end. So with the fluidity of the game, with kind of the hybrid style of some people, it's an interesting dilemma. Do you maybe can clear up maybe some of the ways in which you categorize these people? Probably. Um, but you know what? Usually at the end of the day, the best people are going to get nominated. Uh, I think a little tweaking here or there could, could be, could be in, in use for sure. Uh, you're always uh, one to, to know things and, and be very vocal about things. Do you think they should do away with uh, MVP or keep MVP but add an MOP for most outstanding yeah. players? I mean, that's the thing. You start to, the categories all start to amalgamate. Like, I mean, if you had to pick an MVP in my books this year, it would probably be Vino in Buffalo. Is he going to get the MVP? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's an interesting, it's an interesting dilemma. I think the recognition of elite players is always important. I think you can never have enough recognition for those players. It would drives the league on multiple platforms and levels. Um, and you know what? I think this year they're opening it up to more people voting. I think, you know, each team had, 
the ability to sense three different ones, which is great. I think the more information, the more people, the more eyes you can have it, you're going to get a better sample size on some of those awards. Absolutely. Um, so let, let's focus on your, your Colorado Mammoth. Obviously, uh, a huge win against your former club in Calgary. Uh, you were kind of joking around last week that um, your kids love the Calgary Goal song. Um, yeah. And you were going to say, hey, no, we're not going to hear that song this week. But um, <laughs> you guys finally pulled out that win, a, a huge win for your organization. Uh, what was it like in that locker room after, in knowing that the past and, and the records that Calgary, Colorado have in the postseason? Yeah, I'm super happy for the veteran core guys that have been there for the organization. You know, you never want to say, hey, we're focused on what the record is. This has been the past experience. But the facts are facts. People bring it up in the media. You can't disprove that this happened. So the ability of these guys to really take it on ahead this year and embrace that and say this is our time and play with the confidence, which I think is a huge part of our team's success and something we're continuing to work on, is playing like alpha males, playing like we belong here and we belong with the elite teams. And I thought we did a fantastic job in all facets in that game. And to see the excitement in the locker room, to understand that these guys get to be together another two weeks, to take the next step of the group, uh, I couldn't be happier for the guys in the organization. You're a guy who's who's won championships as a player and uh, and a coach. Is being a big game player and being that alpha dog, being that guy, is that something that you can learn over time or is it just something that you have that that's inside you? Well, I think it, for the people that do it on a consistent level day in, day out, it, it's a tough thing to taught. You know, I really believe seeing even coaching at the junior levels, working with younger kids, it is an intangible that I don't know how you get it, but you have to have it. Now, can you work on it as a group and be cognizant of what you need to improve to do that? For sure. And I think it's something that we're, we're really trying hard in Colorado to do is say, hey, fellas, this is the time to go get it. This is the time to look across the floor and say, we're going to be better than our opponent. This is the time we're going to say, hey, Curtis Dixon, you scored six on this last game, but it's not going to happen this time. And we have such a nice group of guys on our team. They're such a great group. They're so humble. But at some point, you got to turn on that swagger and say, this is our time. And I think we really showed glimpses of that at, uh, in the Calgary game. And it's going to be something we're going to preach here heading into San Diego because you've seen the teams that have done it in the past. Look at Buffalo, for example. They play with a lot of swagger. They play with a lot of jam. They play good or bad. Uh, I, something that's something that's very, very impressive to do. Um, so we'll try to keep doing that. You mentioned the the Curtis Dixon thing, and when I called that game two weeks ago at the end of the regular season, he, he just he couldn't be stopped. And you tried Hopi on him, he, and you tried um, now I can't think of his name, uh, Warren Jeffrey on him. Everybody, yeah, we tried. You tried everybody on him. Nothing worked. But then, whether it was a tweak, whether it was just a mental thing, I thought Warren Jeffrey had one of his best games against Curtis Dixon last weekend. You talk about just just the elite players just being able to find that extra gear. How impressed were you with a young defender in your group who stepped up and had an incredible game like Warren Jeffrey? Yeah, you know what? Warren's got defensive the player of the year potential. It's just trying to find how to unlock that. He's big. He's strong. He does a fantastic job on loose balls. It's getting him to believe in his confidence and play at that 60-minute level, and you saw that. He was pushing Curtis back. He was being physical. He was stripping people in the corners. He was going after loose balls. So it's great to see it. I mean, as the defensive coordinator, I got nothing but praise for our group. 
because when we put something in or we make a minor adjustment, these guys take to it so easy. So it makes our job easier, and it really is kudos to them on the IQ and the understanding of the game. They've really done a good job in buying into scouting report, to watching film, to really finding the nuances of what we need to do to be successful, and you saw it in that game. Has Hopi found some dad strength? Say that again? Has Hopi found some dad strength? And he's like the most calm, casual dad. Me and Zed were chatting with him. (laughs) Every time I see him, I was like, how's the baby? Great, things are awesome, sleeping well. And I I was saying to Zed, I was like, you this calm when you had kids as I was. And he was laughing and he was saying no. But but that's Hopi. You know, he's always got a smile on his face. He brings such a positive energy. He's an elite leader in the sense that not only is his play on the floor exceptional, but in the locker room it's exceptional. And and I, I'm happy for a guy like that who's won at other levels, who, who's really done a good job to try to get the team where it needs to do. But yeah, he seems super casual about the whole thing. You've been around this team for for a little while now on the bench, and uh, you know we had Dylan Ward on the show near the start of the year, and he said this is a different group. This is you know we don't have to hold teams down to just, you know, 10, 11 goals. Like we have an offense now that if we're having an off night, they can step up. How much confidence does that instill in your group knowing that, you know, the pressure isn't all on you guys to hold down the fort? Yeah, the vibe, the vibe has changed on the bench and in in the room, you know, sometimes in the past when we would get down a few goals, it wasn't a panic or anything like that, but you can see the sticks gripping a little bit tighter you said, okay, we can't make a mistake because it might cost us. And when you play like that as a defender, you play like that as an athlete, bad things happen. When you're at the top of your game, you're playing loose, you're relying on your training, your preparation, and, and you really can excel. So, I mean, I'll put a plug in for, for Brad South. No one has said one word about him in the media. No one has said anything about him, and that's fine. He's not looking for accolades. But the hardest thing to redo in the National Lacrosse League, is my opinion, is to tweak your offense to get, get it to that elite level. You go out, you get a Zed Williams, you go out and get a Connor Robinson, you go out and get a Gibby. We draft, you know, Sammy LeClaire and turn that into Joker. We have Brett McIntyre and Dylan Kinnear. These are, these are things that have changed our franchise around and given us the ability. Um, and then you see the play of Chris Wardle, who's just one of those guys that if you don't understand lacrosse, you don't know the value of what he brings to you. But as a coach, as someone who studies the game, the guy's phenomenal. He, he sets picks, he's moving, he really does what you need to do to make an offensive successful. So we're playing at a high cliff. Eli's playing like an elite player. It's super exciting to see our group develop into a dominant group up there, to see Ryan Lee go from a goal scorer to really transform his game and make great decisions with the ball, to set hard picks, to drive over to X and be unselfish. And it's, it's a really great thing to see a young offense develop and have success. So it really has changed the whole vibe of our team. You've played San Diego three times this year. You've played San Diego three times every year. Uh, what do you know about San Diego um, that's going to help you beat them two more times this year? Well, I mean, ultimate respect. Obviously, their coaching staff has won at all levels. I played with Shoot, probably one of the, the top guys I've ever played with in the sense of competing. Um, we know they have a veteran presence with, presence with an all-time great in Brody Merrill in the back end. And an offense that has X factors. When you have a guy like Dane Doby, who in my mind is creeping into a top five player of all time, you have Austin Stotts up there. And I think what makes their offense successful is the balance they've created. You know, when you have Nobes distributing the ball, you have Casey Jackson, a behind the net threat, Zachary, the veteran, we can go down and list the attributes that they've done and they've put together a real team. 
Uh, I think for us, for success is belief. And like what I talked about, it's competing in the little areas, which I think in Calgary, our best game of loose balls all season was that game. Um, and the ability to understand that their superstars are going to make plays, but that we need to match their intensity. And we need to say, hey, if they get one or two, that's fine. But watch what we're going to respond with and come and make plays. And it's an interesting matchup. We've always played these guys tough. They're great competitive games. I think two elite goaltenders. Frankie's having a hell of a year. He played fantastic, I thought, in the first half uh, against Philadelphia. And I know the guys are excited for the challenge and understanding what we need to do to be successful. You mentioned it, and Teddy mentioned it as well. You guys have played these guys so much. You know what they bring. As a coach, especially on the defensive side of the ball, how hard is it to not try to reinvent the wheel, but also at the same time have that balance where you're still trying to get better and add little wrinkles into your system um, heading into a big series here? Yeah, it's, it's interesting to talk about it because it's not like any sports where you don't have practice time. I, I think if we were practicing two or three times a week, like NHL, you could throw in completely new things. You know, I saw Albany in the Buffalo game. They played a zone one shift. Then they're playing man on man. These are things with more practice allows you to really, you know, do these things at a high level in terms of making adjustments. I mean, when you play a team as many times as you well, you know, the bread and butter, I can tell you if, if, some guy's holding a stick this way, he's going this way. Or if Dave Dobie's coming off the bench, I know what two moves he's going to do. Are you going to stop one of the two moves? That's another thing. So I think really focusing on those in key situations, eliminating things like last-minute opportunities, resets, um, you know, when you're, you're taking a penalty when maybe you don't necessarily have to. It's more the minutiae of the game, I think, that's really going to dictate what happens in the score. Um. Patty's obviously coaching out in the Junior Bs in Ontario, and I'm doing Junior Bs here on the island in BC. You're obviously very heavily involved in, in lacrosse in Alberta. How cool is it to see so many young Alberta kids now sprinkled throughout the National Lacrosse League across the whole league? Like That has to be a huge coup for yourself, for Greg Lintz involved in Alberta lacrosse. Yeah, you know, it, I think it is the older you get, the more you appreciative. I mean, you know, when you're in the moment, you think about winning championships and you think about, you know, we have to do this at an elite level and it's about winning games. But when you really take a step back and assess life in general, to see these kids at the rink, you know, five years later, to have them call me and say, hey, coach, can I use you as a reference? To have the lifelong things that continue to go forward is amazing. And uh, to see these kids just excel at all levels, you know, one of our alumni this year, uh, Ethan Landemore, down at your alma mater, scored mm -hmm. you know, 65 goals. To see 16,000 people in Calgary and all these young kids up at the game after just excited to watch lacrosse, to learn about lacrosse, to actually have these guys as role models, this is a kick. it's exciting. And, and I think that's all you want as a coach is to give kids the opportunity and help foster development and foster opportunities. And these kids have all the opportunities in the world and they're seizing them. How, Brian, how important? Boy, I was going to say, how important do you think it is for the National Lacrosse League to finally have um, nationally broadcasted games on TSN a game to allow the casual sports fan to allow the young kid to flip on the TV and see what is possible for this game and to see what's actually even out there to discover the game? Yeah, I'll give you an example. So we have about thirty kids in our alley at our house, and we're always out there playing. You know, it's a great group. We throw sports equipment. So after the game. My 13-year-old neighbor down the street, my 7-year-old neighbor come flying out of the house. They're saying, 
what are you doing on defense? Calgary was roasting you. And just <laughs> so engaged, so engaged in the game because they got to watch the game on TSN. And then that in turn leads to us throwing the ball around. That in turn leads to, I'm going to get bumps, get season tickets. Hey, that Curtis Dixon's an elite player. So the ability to broadcast to people that might not necessarily see it on an everyday is huge. And I think that's going to drive the success of this league and help piggyback on the great digital platform, help to piggyback on the things like these podcasts. It's so close to getting to that next step mainstream because the ownership's there. The players are elite. Everything's, you know, adding up towards what it needs to be successful. So the continued broadcast deal is, is a huge part in growing the game. It was funny because when we did the game two weeks ago, I mentioned Eric Turner and his videos and how yeah. people should follow him on Instagram. And a young kid heard that and started following him and then saw him last weekend in Calgary and like went up and talked to him. They got a picture together and he says, Hey, I love your drills. And Eric reached out to me and said, Hey man, that, that's just awesome. I appreciate that. And, and it's guys taking that little extra effort to just to do things on their own to help build their brand and, and show kids some easy drills, whether it's five minutes on the wall or footwork drills. I think it's incredible for, for all guys to take advantage of. Yeah. I mean, Eric Turner, you want to talk about an ambassador? Do you want to talk about someone who's really embraced growing the game and working hard and doing the right things to play at elite level? You don't have to look any, any farther than him. And I think the great thing about that, and, and one thing that I think is actually a fault in sports is, hey, we're all here on this podcast coaching, volunteering our time. I was at the rink four hours in junior. We got a game tonight. I'm going on the bench. But the way that people give back to the game is really, really something special. Mm -hmm. Do I think they need to pay people more to get it to the next level? Absolutely, I do. I think that's one of the dilemmas here in Canada lacrosse is that volunteers are only going to take us so far. When you want to flip the script and get to an elite level, you need to pay these young people. And the great thing is all these young elite players want to give back. They want to help out. So it's a really exciting time to that because if you have that and you have the passion transferring over, you can't fake passion. You can't fake, you know, donating your time to make a difference. And it really is amazing to see. It all starts Friday on the road down in San Diego, Colorado. San Diego in the West Finals. I appreciate your time, my man. Good luck this week, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Paul. Joined now by defensive coach for the San Diego Seals, a uh, friend of the program, Billy Greer. How are you, brother? Good, Teddy. Doing doing well, man. And, uh, Pat, good to see you guys. Thanks for having uh, me on. I'm sure you're probably not happy Pat's wearing a Thunderbird shirt for this interview, but we'll let it slide. <laughs> I noticed. I noticed. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you might correct him on that. That's great. You know what? We're friends. We're friends on this show. Uh, huge win for you guys in Pechanga. It was rocking. Uh, how nice was it to get the franchise's first playoff victory at home in front of your fans? You know what? And you're right. It was rocking. Uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, sold out by any means, but that place gets loud. Like it, it gets real loud. And uh, yeah, I mean, obviously with the way we finished the season off, um, that, that win was kind of extra special, right? Um, it was kind of strange. It was almost like a play-in game. Like, it was first round of playoffs, but it was like, got to win this game and then we're in, right? And, and then and then the real uh, playoffs start. So, but those one-and-dones, man, it's uh, it's intense. It's crazy. It's almost like, it's almost fun. It's like, that's the way it used to be. And this is, uh, it's almost like the way maybe it should be. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's a huge relief because anything can happen. Obviously, you talked about the, the way your team had been playing going into the postseason. Um, you get that win at the end of the year against Vancouver. You kind of break the slump, get some momentum going forward. And then you guys put a defensive gem 
out there against a very talented Philadelphia Wings team. How impressed have you been with your group, just the way the season ended and the way they've responded in the last two weeks? Yeah, you know what? Great, great points. I think, uh, obviously, it was it was tough um, losing those games and, and uh, getting in that rod. And then in Saskatchewan, I mean, we gave up 17 goals. And and after the game, I was like, man, I thought we played really well. Like, how, how does that happen? Um, but we had some momentum to build off that game. Uh, and then obviously getting that, that last one uh, in Vancouver was huge for our, our kind of our psyche and mentality. But we, we were playing much better. And you know how it works, right? You're constantly dialing in all those little things and, and focusing. And we just we, we wanted to be right, ready and primed for that game last night and going into the playoffs. So, um, you know, the, the guys guys played hard. That, like that's never a question. But I find with our group, they, they want to win and they, they play hard for each other. So it's just a lot of it comes down to the execution. But and then Frankie was Frankie was Frankie. He was uh, yeah. he was absolutely lights out, which which helps because early on they got a lot of quality looks. Um, we made some adjustments there and then, uh, he, he made some huge saves down the stretch. So yeah, it was, it was great. The, the, the motive or the mojo of the defense this year kind of seems like it's, it's by committee. It's a hard hat, just a, a, a group of, I don't want to say no names cause there are some great names on that back end, but it, it seems like you guys play hard by committee. Is that kind of the identity that you guys have this season? Yeah, Pat, that's that's exactly it. So, um, you know, I don't think people talk about our D that much, and uh, and we're fine with that, right? And and um, you know, we had that real good start to the season. I thought we were we were playing great, and then obviously didn't go that way there for a good stretch. And um, yeah, but it, we we talk about it as a five man D unit, right? So it's not guys playing on the righties and guys playing on the lefties. We're a five man unit that plays together and support each other. We play a really aggressive style, which is high risk, high reward. Right. So there's times where we're running around, it seems like a little bit out there and, and that gets, and uh, you know, teams had made some adjustments. And uh, so now we've tried to counter those adjustments, but yeah, we play physical. We got some, there's some big boys back there. There's some athletes. Um, and then there are some names and, you know, a guy like Shumay grabbing, two goals man that's isn't that playoff lacrosse right. <laughs> like a guy like that grabbing his first two goals of his career um and he's a guy that that you know nobody's been mentioning him and, and he's yeah. been he plays on everything for us now he, he's been he's been outstanding he's top five in loose balls and and and, and he's third in block and cause turnovers uh for rookies um and he's he's been great so but that's 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 the mo it's bang on a bunch of guys that you haven't heard of that are going to play hard I love the fact that, and, and I talked about it on our Twitter spaces before the game, that, you know, you guys were going to have to try to limit Trevor Baptiste's dominance. And I thought Tyson Bomberry did a really good job not letting him win too many clean, but also your ball team did a really good job not allowing him have to clean, have clean exits. How impressive have you been with, with dad strength, Tyson Bomberry coming in after having a kid and just playing the way he's been playing? Yeah, he, man, he plays hard. We knew that coming in. He's, a, he's kind of a big game player. Um, he knows the defense really, really well, playing it in junior with us. Um, he's just smart, strong. You're going to get a great effort from him. So, yeah, obviously we had a big focus on, on, on the face-off team, but you know how it goes. We, you know, we kind of knew we weren't going to win a ton against them. We just didn't want to get scored on. And um, so we, we tried to limit, you know, those chances. I, I think Baptiste had a couple, but no real good looks. Um, 
you know, sometimes you win the draw, 10, 12 seconds come off the clock. And in really in reality, you only have to, you only have to kill maybe 14 seconds. Um, it's not, we just find faceoffs aren't the be all to end all. And uh, if it's Tice, if it's Eli, or obviously if, if Dogger, if Cullen's in there, um, he's probably, you know, obviously our best faceoff guy himself. So we're, we're just trying to scrap them out and don't get scored on. It's kind of the mentality. <laughs> Um, switching to the game or the series, I guess I should say, with, with Colorado here. In years past, I think as a defensive coordinator, you might not have to say, oh, we have our hands full with the Colorado Mammoth, but this is a different Mammoth team. They have a lot of weapons up front. Uh, what kind of problems does this offense pose for you guys? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is we're pretty familiar with them, right? Um, seen them three times this year. Um, so we, we do have a decent scout, but... I don't know if you can call it a big three. Do we still do that? Uh, but they, <laughs> they they definitely have a big three. Um, you know, Levy in second in points in the league, second in assists. Um, kids fast, dominant, can shoot, can you know, can feed. He can do a lot of things. Robinson's playing out of his mind. You know, 42 goals, five, five goals last week. Um, and then McLaughlin has his quiet 80-something points, right? So um, they they got a they got a real solid offense. Um, you know, they're very unselfish. They work extremely hard. They're well coached. They fly through the middle of the floor. They slip. They you know they're uncharacteristic, um, and they can shoot the ball. So I, I think um, you know obviously our, our guys are really dialed. They do a lot of hard prep. Um, we're going to try and game plan as best we can for them. Um, going to try and get out on their shooters, obviously, close those gaps, not let them set their feet. And Robinson has his feet planted and his hands free. Man, like uh, he's a good shooter. Um, same with Lee there. So, yeah, so we're going to have to do a, a good job on, on those guys and be real physical. And like I said, play as a five-man unit for sure. Obviously, like you said, you guys are very familiar with Colorado. It goes all the way back to the franchise's very first game. So there's plenty of storylines between the two organizations, but how much fun is this series going to be from a coaching staff, coaching staff standpoint, going head against Patty Coyle and Bishop and Anna McBride, just, you know, six guys who know the game inside and out. How much fun is this chess match going to be between the coaching staffs? I think that's a good way to put it. It's going to be a chess match. And, and obviously um, it comes down to execution and the guys and their work ethic and will to win and all of that. But uh, yeah, I, th I think in playoffs when it's a three-game series, you're going to have to make adjustments, right? Mm -hmm. So they're going to start doing some things. Like, I mean, we try to do that. We try to play five-minute intervals, right? That's what we say every TV timeout. So that's one way I think we've gotten out of this rut um, a little bit. We were, we were too worried about results, and we stopped fo focusing on the process. So we started just thinking, okay, let's win the next five. And I know that's so cliche, but that's literally what we do. <laughs> we say, okay, next five. Let's try and win this one. So, uh, and then we, we make an adjustment in that five and then we move on. So, um, but yeah, having a, a best of three is going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, um, you know, it, it's one thing that I've learned uh, and Patty and Shooter learned. We, we, had a, we had an Eastern Conference final where we beat Rochester in 2015. And then game one against Edmonton, it was like we took a deep breath, you know, like, ah, okay, we're in, we're in this best of three. And uh, we took a deep breath and they, they beat us in game one. And then now you're chasing it. Right. So we got to make sure that we're not taking a deep breath and we're ready to pounce here in game one. As a defensive unit. And I know it's been a little bit up and down for the offense, but in these big situations to give you a little bit of relief, knowing you have some big game players on the offense, you know, with Stotts, Berg, 
Toby, like these guys are the guys that you want the ball in the stick at the end of the game. Yeah, exactly. Some guys that have been there before, some guys that are winners, some guys that, you know, have done it, know how to play in big games. You know, we said that about Austin. I mean, Patrick and I had seen him in junior playing these mental cups and been literally, you know, I said it to him before the game, you know, you're, you're a big game player. You're going to be big tonight and to see him have that in his first playoff game is pretty special. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, one thing I found with this season, there was just a few games where maybe we got in a rut, but it didn't seem like it happened often this season. You know, we didn't go in those long stretches where we weren't scoring, which is, man, that's nice for a defense, right? When you, you can stack some shifts together and you know that you're always just going to start putting goals up. So that's been a theme all season. And, uh, yeah, I know these guys, they want it. They want it bad. And I, I know they, they're playing pretty unselfish. They're moving the ball, moving their feet. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll hopefully we can, uh, we can put up a number here. Nobody knows how many runs Brody's legs have left in them, but how amazing is it that he's still as dominant as he is at his age? Can you believe it? Like that, yeah. that you and I can't do that. I, there's no way we're the same. I'm the same age. We're the, you know we're the same age as Brody. I, I, I see that you see the preparation he, he does all week to get his body ready for kind of you know this is gonna be Friday night. He's gonna do everything he can to be ready for that two hours, right? And uh, yeah, he's been just so good this year. You know, he's almost been like another level. Um, I feel like our first couple of years, he was really, really good. And this year, he's kind of, he's dialed in the defense. And when you hear him talk to guys and he talks about this little adjustment or this little thing, you're like, man, he's like three steps ahead now on, on what's going on on the D. And for a guy at his age to be paying that much attention to that. And, um, you know, it, it comes down, look at that play at the end of the game last week. We had a pretty good scout on what they were going to do maybe. And this guy, talk about execution. They don't even get a shot on net with him. And sometimes you just leave him as that middle guy and you say, okay, Brody, this is what you're probably going to see. And he just, just executes it. Like it, it was, it was so fitting. So proud of him. Um, yeah. It's, we all, we all are, are, are want to win for each other, but it'd be nice to, uh, to go on a run for him. Uh, you mentioned it uh, Friday night game against the Colorado Mammoth, but is there anything better than a Thursday sunshine practice at knock around field on the eve of the organization's first ever conference final? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Isn't it with the sun? It was beautiful on Friday for the playoff game. We're out there telling the guys, you got to hydrate though. Like I was putting the sunscreen, <laughs> asking Brody, I'm like, bro, do you have the sunscreen? For sure. He does. Right. With the, yeah. the bare skin redheads. Uh, we had the <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it's it, it's perfect. It's the setting out there, and uh, you know, for us going into that game, that's it sounds like that's where we're going to be practicing. We don't get the arena till till later, so we'll be able to knock around in the sunshine, dialing it in. Um, yeah, that's when you really feel grateful to be part of this team. You step off that plane, in, and you're like, man, this is this is awesome. That's why it's called West Coast Best Coast, buddy. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. You're learning. Uh, Billy, appreciate you, my man. Uh, huge game for you guys. It's going to be an incredible three-game series. Uh, appreciate the time. Best of luck, and we'll catch up soon, my man. Okay, thanks, guys. Great talking to you. Sunday is the start of the Eastern Finals, and the Codfather, Bruce Codd and the Toronto Rock, will be looking to beat the Buffalo Bandits in game one. Bruce, how are you, brother? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We are fantastic. Um, we've been kind of talking about with a lot of the, the D coaches this week about value of players and 
There's a lot of talk about Zach Courier being the best all over the turf. Is that selling Challen Rogers' ability short? Well, I mean, obviously, I'm probably a little bit biased, and, and no disrespect to Zach Curry, he's a great player, but um, you know, I think for my money, it would be Challen Rogers, and, and it's not even close. And uh, you know, I can kind of maybe give you some background why, if, if you're up for it. Always give us some. Always, give us some yeah. Details, Feed it man. to us. Sell us. Feed it to well, us. We need it. We were kind of joking at uh, shoot around the other day because obviously he played about the last five games previous to the playoff game out the out the O door, uh, and then with Robbie coming back, you know, he was back on the D end. So I said, well. You know, you're going to play on the short top of the short man. Uh, you'll be on the power play. Uh, offense, defense, but, you know, we'll give you the ball team off. And, uh, you know, and really, risk, uh, realistically, we're always when we're doing that is so you can get a little bit of a rest. But I, I don't know too many guys that could excel as well as he does at all those areas, right? Like he's a top-notch offensive player when he's up there, um, you know, uh, top-notch key guy when he's back there. And, you know, obviously playing on both uh, special teams, it's, uh, it just speaks to how versatile he really is. Well, we can't talk about Challen Rogers without talking about that game, that wild finish. Obviously, he scores that that game winner, makes the great play. But just take us back uh, to that game. You guys have a commanding nine three lead. Halifax claws back. Uh, you go into overtime. What was the emotions like on that bench? Not just uh, in overtime, but leading up to that moment as well. Well, I think it, you know it's like anything. Uh, no lead safe in the NLL, especially at halftime. Right? Sometimes you're almost better to be to be down sometimes, uh, you know, then have that lead. I mean, it started right away. They, they got a goal, uh, you know, kind of, uh, you know, off of the face off, I guess. Well, I mean, we had a bit of a chance, but they came right back. Uh, Jake Wither scores. Uh, and then all of a sudden we take two penalties, you know, and I'm not so sure, you know, that they were maybe penalties, but that's just the way it goes. Right. Uh, you know, Tommy Schreiber takes one uh, set in the pick. And then uh, I think Dan Craig making a change, you know, uh, or sorry, Lachelle Harris uh, bumps uh, Withers at the bench. And, you know, all of a sudden we take uh, two penalties there and, they score on both of those, and, and you know, now all of a sudden they got the momentum. And really it was tough for us to kind of stop it. I mean, I thought we did uh, late in the third quarter. We get it to 12-8 again. And you think, okay, maybe we've, you know, stemmed the tide a little bit. But uh, lo and behold, they had another big push and actually, you know, take the lead. But I think it was just a, you know, combination of a lot of things. You know, obviously, like I said, they got the momentum. But, you know, every shot they took there, too, was like, I, I don't know if it was Rosie should, should stop any of those. I mean, maybe we were a little bit tentative you know, getting out on our pressure and stuff, which tends to happen sometimes on a, a run like that. But, I mean, credit to them. They shot the ball incredibly well in that stretch there. When you look at this fan base, and you've been with this team when they were playing at the ACC, and now you're with this team playing out at First Ontario, is it is it a, the same fans, you think, or is it a completely different fan base now that you guys are out in Hamilton? Well, I think there's, you know, certainly, obviously there's still some uh, holdovers from the, you know, the days when we were in Toronto, but I, I do think it's uh, it is a bit of a different fan base and it's certainly an educated lacrosse fan base. I don't know if it's people coming, you know, from different areas that are lacrosse people, but I, you know, I think they're a knowledgeable fan base and the energy that we've had in that building has been absolutely amazing. I mean, it's far, far exceeded what myself uh, would have expected. And uh, you know, it's been great that like, the energy in the building has just been, just been awesome. And I think people have really, uh, you know, I think for part of that is the games that have been in there have been exciting too, but um, you know, again, I think it's a, it's a lacrosse, lacrosse, um, you know, fan base that, um, you know, gets things and, and they know when to cheer. And I think, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of a younger crowd too. You guys are now 11 and two in your last 13. What's been the biggest structural change you guys have made to really grease all the wheels on this runaway train? Well, I think there's been a lot of things. I mean, obviously, uh, start of the year, you know, we had a bit of a tough start, but, 
you know, I think, you know, at that point when we were struggling uh, at the start of the year, we were, I think we were the most penalized team in the league. You know, that's been one thing that's been a big change. We, you know, we're probably one of the least penalized teams in that, probably that stretch, I would think. So, um, you know, that's been big, but also our special teams have been better. Our power play has been great. Um, you know, our short man's been pretty solid. And then Rosie's been, has just been awesome. And I think yeah. that's probably, you know, first and foremost, probably the biggest thing is Nick Rose's play this year, um, in my opinion, has been as good as anybody's, if not better than anybody's. And again, I know I'm biased, but I really do think he's been, he's been lights out. I think Nick Rose's name is going to be, uh, you know, up for a couple of awards at the end of the year, potentially. And speaking of awards, when defensive player of the year is announced, there's a good chance two of your guys might be up for that in Mitch Disnew and Brad Cree. How good have those two been? And I guess you could even throw in the name of Latrell Harris. That three headed monster has certainly led this unbelievable defensive unit. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Mitch has been everything that, you know, we, we hoped that we would get. I mean, uh, the thing that I like about Mitch is just his compete level. I think that's infectious. You know, he's out there. He's, you know, he's in people's face, um, you know, and he works hard. Obviously, his transition stuff has been um, really, really, um, you know, a huge boost to not only our defense, but our, but our offense as well. I mean, he's getting a goal a game, sometimes more, um, creating lots of chances there. And, again, I, I just think his compete level has, has raised everybody on our, on our defense's compete. Uh, just when you got a guy that's so intense and so, um, you know, energetic, I think it's hard not to, you know, kind of filter over everybody else. And, and Brad's been, uh, you know, Brad's been Brad the last few years. Uh, you know, he's, I don't know if there's been too many guys that have had as many takeaways as, as him. Um, you know, so Brad's been excellent. And yeah, Latrell Harris, you know, for a stretcher has been pretty darn good too. Um, you know, I think uh, we're, we're still not even scratching the surface of what, uh, what's to come with Latrell. But uh, yeah, it's nice having you know, uh, one of those guys, but, you know, we're real happy to have all three and, and all three have been, you know, obviously the, I guess you'd say probably the leaders uh, of that group back there. And um, yeah, makes my job a little easier for sure. When you look at the, the battles you guys have had with Buffalo, is there something that you can pick out from those couple games that you can use as a motivating factor to into the series? Well, I mean, I don't think there's a, a whole lot. I'm sure Buffalo people tell you the same. It doesn't take much for either team to really get up for one another. Um, you know, it's just such a great robbery. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, typically, you know, one or one or two teams are always in the same division and always, you know, fighting for uh, either, you know, top top spot in the, in the division and then obviously in the playoffs. I think every year I've been here, you know, we've pretty much played come across Buffalo. So a lot of animosity there. But in terms of anything specific, no, I think, uh, you know, they want the same thing we do and, and they're in our way and, you know, obviously we're just going to go out and put our best foot forward and, you know, see if we can, uh, um, you know, uh, shut them, shut them down. I think that's really, you know, it's science kind of vanilla, but that's really the truth of it. The last time you guys uh, played each other last game of the year, both teams already punched their ticket to the playoffs. The seating was set. So talking to some of the players on both teams, they kind of said it was a weird game. How much, uh, of the tape are you guys going to actually dive in or is it more uh, looking into some previous games or other things uh, to really focus and prepare for this upcoming series? Yeah, I think, you know, there's certainly, and I've already watched the, the game a few times from when we played them a couple of weeks ago, and there's certainly stuff um, in there that I'm, I'm sure is going to be of value to us. Uh, you know, I don't think either team really sat back and went, you know, it's a nothing game. Let's not show much. I thought both teams, you know, uh, you know, kind of, played to win which is uh you know a testament to both teams and uh you know and how much again how much we want to beat each other right i think you know had that been maybe somebody else maybe you just you know you know, kind of throw it away because it didn't matter but i think the fact that you know we do have such a robbery and stuff that you know both teams fought hard and 
you know, it wasn't anything dirty or anything like that, but you could tell yep. that, you know, people weren't just rolling over and just going through the motions. Uh, so, um, yeah, I think there's some, definitely some takeaways uh, from there, and I'm sure that they probably feel the same way. It's never really been the Rock's M.O. to have a pure draw guy, but how has TD evolved your team? Well, I mean, it's uh, it's something that really started, you know, the, before, like the shortened year. Um, you know, I remember the one game we played Halifax, and we went uh, 0 for 30 on the faceoff. <laughs> you know, that's 30 possessions that, um, you know, they start with it. Obviously, you know, a lot of those you get back or whatever if you play good defense, but, you know, that's kind of where that started, and, and it was kind of by fluke that, you know, TD's name came up. I was talking to Merrick Thompson at the time, and he said, you know, you should be taking a look at it and did a little bit of research and, uh, you know, realized, well, this guy's, you know, pretty good. And it wasn't just uh, Withers. It was also we played Baptiste, you know, two or three times every year. So, um, you know, that, that's been something that's definitely helped. You know, I know there's been a few games where, you know, we've, we've controlled the circle and, you know, it's been a one-goal game. So you look back and you go, okay, we won 20 more draws than them. Uh, it's good. And, you know, obviously uh, even last weekend it's uh, – uh, you know, if, if we don't have TD, you know, they probably, you know, maybe squeeze that one out. So he's been great for us. You know, he's, he's, uh, he's still learning the, the nuances of the, the field face-offs, or sorry, the difference between field and box face-offs, a little further apart, you know, the little, uh, I guess, he, he, you know, we almost call it like cheating a little bit more, uh, you mm-hmm. know. So, uh, you know, he's still learning some of that stuff, but he's really, he's really helped our team. And, uh, and you know, I think it's uh, allowed, uh, you know, someone like Brad, too, to just focus on playing defense instead of taking draws. So there's been a lot of, you know, a spin-off positives from that as well. I, I think when I look at this series, you talked about it's nice to have guys like Latrell and Brad and Mitch. You, you got depth on defense. How do you combat their depth on offense for the Buffalo Bandits? Because you can't just shut down Dane. You can't just shut down Josh. They have literally seven guys out that front door that can beat you. So how do you game plan against that? Well, I think it's, you know, it's like uh, uh, it's got to be a team defense then, right? I think you got to be a little bit more aware of, um, you know, off-ball help and uh, even, you know, help with on your own side, right? I think uh, uh, just, you know, it's almost like the one-and-a-half effect. You know, you've got your man and then half is kind of the ball. So just taking a little bit more uh, ownership on, on, on our support. But, you know, matchups are big still too there. I mean, obviously I'm sure they have – guys that they would want to target on our defense and vice versa. So trying to figure out, you know, those matchups that are, that we want and, and working hard to get those. Um, but again, I think it comes down to, to those just kind of, um, you know, being, being a little bit more engaged on, on our support, because like you said, they got all kinds of weapons there. And, uh, and you know, if you sleep on anybody, that'll be the guy that scores on you for sure. With uh, uh, Go ahead, Patty. I was just going to say with uh, you guys now, we already talked about it playing in Hamilton, how many more, Rock fans, do you expect in Bandit Land and vice versa, people coming over across the border heading to First Ontario next week? Yeah, I think you'll see, uh, you know, uh, you know, a, a good contingency of uh, in both places. You know, I just looking quickly uh, earlier in the week just to see how tickets were going on on Ticketmaster, and and uh, they had moved pretty quick. And I assumed that that a lot of that was, uh, you know, Bandit fans, you know, filling up too, and and then hopefully, you know, we always have a pretty good group that comes to goes to Buffalo, so. Uh, I think with, you know, with the stage that we're at, we'll, we'll probably see uh, a, a good uh, dose of uh, uh, fan robbery as well in, in both buildings. Um, how's the outdoor oven, and how come you haven't sent any more pictures of your food to me? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, it's, still, it's still rolling, Teddy, but uh, uh, just trying to shed a few pounds heading into the summer. But once the summer gets rolling, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send some stuff out for sure. 
I'll, I'll send you mine enamel bar recipe. Appreciate that, my man. Well, we'll, we'll file that one under, uh, you know, not going to get used. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brucey, appreciate this, my man. Uh, good luck this weekend. Good, good, luck, good luck against Buffalo. And uh, we'll catch up soon, man. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on. Take care, guys. Joined now by Steve Dietrich, general manager and assistant coach, associate coach, D coach, whichever friendly term you want to use. Chugger, how are you, my man? Teddy, always a pleasure being on with you. Uh, I appreciate you doing this. Um, big win for you guys over the weekend. Take me back to that game. Um, the biggest crowd in Banditland all season. Uh, it was a defensive gem from both goaltenders. How did it look from your perspective on the bench? Um, nerve wracking for sure. Um, you know, it's always, it's always nicer when you got a five goal cushion throughout the game, but, um, you know, kudos to both goalies. I thought, uh, Matt Vince played great for us, but I thought Doug Jamison was great for them. As you, you know, you alluded to earlier on. I also thought both defenses played real well. I thought, um, you know, those are two pretty good offenses that were coming at them. And I thought both defenses did a good job and, you know, we were able to, you know, I think score the two early in the second half sort of got us on our way. So that was a, you know, a big first two or three minutes. So it's, uh, you know, Glenn Clark does a great job uh, with that team in Albany. So they're always, a, they're always a tough out. We seem to play them every year. They're always a tough out. So uh, we'll take it and uh, on to bigger and better things, I guess you could say. Were there times, I know they kind of mentioned it on the broadcast, there might have been some words exchanged between you and some of your players during one of the TV timeouts. Was it getting a little frustrating at times on that bench between you and some of your players? No, no, not at all. I, I, I talked a little bit about one guy was on the floor when we were making a line change, and, and another guy said we could get a penalty for that. That was the yeah. gist of it. I, I don't know if it was – Bermal or whoever it was thought there was some yelling or Dave Buchanan who was yelling. It was, it was just one guy telling another guy to get off the floor because he thought we could get a too many men penalty. That's that's all it was. Uh, how have you liked John Tavares's progression as a head coach in the National Cross League? You know, leading a team through the pandemic season and a couple years before that, but now you know, in charge of the best team in the National Cross League, uh, the number one overall seed. And, you know, he had to make some adjustments in that game to help you guys pull that out. How have you liked his, you know, maturation as a pro coach? You know, it, first off, when he first started, you know, you knew he was going to be good just by being a, well, I, I had the luxury of playing with him. So I, mm -hmm. I knew, I knew the stuff that he brought to the table. I knew his demeanor. I knew that he never panicked and he always, you know, like a great player, he always played better, the bigger the game. <clears throat> so you knew he was going to bring that calm demeanor to the bench um you always hope that he can try and it's tough right because those guys it seemed to come so naturally to them can they dumb things down is a bad term but let's just use it for this instance can they dumb things down to to other guys's level to that they could understand the way jt sees the game and he's right. been phenomenal at it i think uh, him being a teacher helps a lot so he knows that different people learn at different speeds and they learn different ways. So, um, you know, he's been great through video. He's been great through using, uh, you know, coaching board. He's been great through, um, you know, just walking through things at practice. So um, he's, you know, he, he's got a lot on his plate as the offensive coordinator. And then as the guy that oversees everything, 
Um, but he's done a tremendous job. And, and you know, we have a pretty good offense, so those, those guys are pretty self-sufficient. But, um, you know, when JT needs to draw something up or when he needs to lay the hammer down or, or he needs to just say, boys, I think we're going to do this, um, you know, those, those are seven, seven eyes and ears that listen and do everything he says. So he's been great, and, and you know, he's only going to continue to get better um, as he gets more and more experience running the complete show himself. Uh, the addition of Max Adler is giving you guys a nice little weapon at the face-off dot, but how important is he going to be in this series going up against TD? You know, it's it's tough. It, it's tough when I think at the time when we brought him in, I, I don't know what we were, Teddy. So if I'm wrong on this one, don't don't uh, shoot me. But I think it was just after we lost in Toronto, and I think we were six and one or five and one at the time. And I think TD Ireland went like 25 or 26 on the draw. And you know, we we looked at each other in the room and said, okay. If we're going to go where we want to go, um, you know, we're going to have to get through Nardella or Withers or Ireland or Baptista, mm -hmm. guys like that. And, you know, Max is somebody we talked about and talked to in the preseason about bringing out, obviously, with the chaos connection. And it's just something that couldn't work. So I, I called him right after that. Things worked out and, and he's been great. You know, he, he I don't know what his percentage is. Um let, let's call them 40, 45%, which is about 35% better than what we would normally be. And, you know, you look at it, that might be three or four or five more possessions that we're getting that the other team doesn't. Like, you know, this past weekend, that, you know, that that's basically a one-goal game throughout. And I think he went 9-10 and 10 against Joe Nardella. And if, if he's not the draw guy, you know, we maybe we win one. And yeah. that's eight less possessions for us and eight more possessions for them in a one- or two-goal game. That, that's key. And and against Toronto, you know, not to get long-winded here, but um, I think both teams are so evenly matched that, you know, we couldn't just get crumpled at the face-off dot. And, you know, I think he's going to give us a chance against TD every fa every face-off. And, you know, that, that evens the playing field in just another area that, um, you know, I think these two teams are pretty even. So if he can, you know, match Erlen or at least be close to Erlen, you know, it, it just evens the playing field for us even more. Uh, speaking from his experience uh, being the only NLL goalie to win MVP award, do you think Matt Vince has done enough to warrant a nomination or a win? I, I think Matt Vince has done enough every year he plays. So hmm. um, I, I think he deserves it. But, you know, it's tough because we have another certain individual on our team that I that I think deserves it. So, yeah, um you know, they, they both have had phenomenal years. Um, I, I'd like to see Matty win it, not as a sympathy, because he doesn't need a sympathy, but the poor guy deserves to win it every year, and he never seems to, to, to either get nominations or he doesn't get, you know, the, the kudos. Or, or maybe it's just people believe that, you know, a, a, an 82% 80, save percentage in a sub-10 goals against average is just normal for him now, which is yeah. not fair, right? Like, yeah. he's battling himself from, from his greatness. So, um, he deserves it. I think Dane deserves it. Um, but, you know, I, I think there's a lot of guys. Joey Rezateritz, you know, Nick Rose. There's lots of guys that have had great years. Um, obviously, I hope Matt wins it. But if Matt doesn't win it, then obviously I hope Dane wins it. I hope uh, a guy that w wears orange and black wins it. That, that would make yeah. me happy. Fair enough. Uh, as, as the general manager, not just the, the D coach, but how impressed have you been with the additions of Kyle Buchanan, Connor Fields, and Dehoek and Anikoke? Yeah, 
you know, I'm glad you brought up Bucky because he doesn't, and when I say he doesn't do a lot on the score sheet, when you, when you look at the score sheet after the game and he may be one and two or one and one or oh and three, he doesn't have like the eye popping numbers that jump out at you, mm. but he does so many little things in the, in the middle of a game to get us extra possessions to get us a possession, to get the ball off the loose, off the draw, you know, to be the guy that sets the pick, to get somebody open. Bucky's been phenomenal for us. He, he really has. Um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't be more happier with what he's brought. And like I say, he brings all the intangibles on top of the great leadership that, that he brings. And, and when he speaks, you know, it's, I almost compare him to sort of like a Jason Spezza with the Leafs. And I know he plays more for us than what Spezza does for the Leafs. But it's Bucky doesn't talk often, much like Spezza doesn't talk often. But when he talks, everybody listens. Because what he speaks, he speaks from the heart and he speaks from somebody that's been there before. So he's been great for us. Um, and the other two guys, you know, we, we knew what we were getting in, in Dehoka. We knew that he was going to step in and, you know, be a guy that, that's best years are probably ahead of him, um, but could take over any game on any given night. And he's been great for us. You know, we're, we're lucky that we have some depth on offense that we don't have to rely on him. And, and I, I honestly think that you're going to see the best of him moving forward when he takes a bigger role on this team. I think he's come in here and almost taken a step back and just wanted to fit in. And, you know, he takes what's given to him, I guess you could say, but there's some times where you see the glimpses of, you know, he just takes the ball and goes You see glimpses of when he wants to go to the net, he's going to be a load. And when he gets that confidence or that, you know, forget you, I'm going, this this is going to be mine. I'm going to the net. He's going to be scared good. But he's been phenomenal for us. And Caulfield's, uh, He's been unbelievable for us. The great team I like whether he's involved in the play or not. And honestly, Teddy, from the first practice we had with him. Um, that's the thing that the, you know, myself and Eric and JT noticed the, the most is even on two on ones or three on twos in, in, you know, preseason in practice when the, when he was involved in a play and a guy scored, it's the first guy to go over and pat somebody on the head after they score. I, and I think he's happier when other people score than when he scores himself. He's been great for us. Um, so let, let's look towards the Toronto Rock, the hottest team, you know, in the playoffs, winning 11 of their last 13. What problems do they pose for you as an offense? Uh, they're a big physical defense that, that can run, and they transition the ball well. They play good as a unit, and they have a great goalie back there. So, um, like I say, and, and, you know, some people some people may disagree with me, but I, I think all three – I think – three areas are pretty evenly matched like I, they have a great offense i think we have a good a great offense they have a great defense some people may disagree but you know i'm a little biased i think we have a great defense obviously both goalies speak for themselves so i think it's going to be a great series I, I think it'll come down to um you know goaltending obviously but 
uh, you know, it, it's is somebody going to get a couple transition goals because an offense got caught on the floor late? Is is one team going to get an extra couple power play goals? Like, it, really, it's going to come down to special teams, I think, and goaltending because I think both both teams are evenly matched, and it and it's going to be fun. And and I'm glad it's a a bit of a series because you know it, it's always tough in these one game things. You don't always get a true indication of of you know who the best team actually was uh you know i'm lucky in 97 we were lucky enough to win as the fourth seed i don't think we beat either of the teams ahead of us if we play a series so you know i'm glad that the league has gone to a series even though it's a mini series because i think in that way you'll actually get a true indication of which team is actually the better team uh last one for you you spoke of the series and both fan bases should be incredibly vocal with the rock being in hamilton it's going to make that toronto presence in buffalo and the buffalo presence in toronto a little more strengthened how intense is this rivalry going to be you know dating back um teddy back when we played in the league like when buffalo and toronto played both buildings were full right yeah so it was an incredible atmosphere in both arenas. Um, a, it's your biggest rival, and, and B, you're playing in front of a full house that's got, you know, it's littered with uh, fans from other teams. So it's it's an intense rivalry. Uh, as mean and nasty as it used to be, I think there's a lot of respect on, you know, from management to the players, there's a lot of respect on both sides. But, um, you know, we're looking forward to, to playing in, in bandit land on, on Sunday. Like, you know, we have the best fan base in, in uh, the national cross league. So we're looking forward to that. And, and, you know, we're looking forward to going to Hamilton, you know, Jamie and the group down there has done a great job. Uh, you know, when we played them there the first time we didn't get to experience, you know, the, the 10,000, 11,000 people in the building, we played in an empty building. So mm-hmm. um, we think it's going to be fun being down there. And, and we know that they'll, they'll be littered with some bandit fans down there. So, I'm excited. I'm excited that it's, uh, you know, the two biggest rival rivals and, you know, in my opinion, the two best teams in the East, it's way probably the way it should be. And both fan bases are going to be able to be a part of it. So it's going to be fun. No doubt. Steve, as always, my friend, appreciate the time. Good luck this weekend. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Teddy. Always a pleasure. All right, so that's all four defensive coaches throughout the National Lacrosse League. Cod, McBride, Dietrich, and of course, Billy Greer. Um, do you think one team has an advantage defensively over the other four? No. Like no? I, I think these I think these teams are just so well matched. Like I know I just finished in the first half talking about how I think Toronto is so well-rounded, but then like, you know, listening to all these teams, these, these coaches talking, and you think about like all the offensive weapons that Buffalo has, like, yeah, you know, Toronto's going to have their hand full, but like, then you think about Matt Vince and Steve Priolo on that other side. And then even the West, I just think like they're two different defensive units. The offenses are a lot different. Like Colorado's a lot younger and faster, but San Diego has guys that could take over games, but I don't know, man. Like the more I think about these series, the more I'm thinking these are coin flips and I just can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. When you look at them, every team has like that rock on the back end, whether it's Brody, Hope, Prio, Cree, or Slash to Snoo, but then they all have depth too. And they have Mm. secondary defenders that will be able to pick up that next best O guy. 
It is going to be an absolute chess match in all of these games over the next two, three weeks, and even on into the finals. Um, and it'll be very interesting to see how the coaches kind of wage the battle between each other and what adjustments they make because those in-game adjustments are going to be what win these series. You can't just go in with one game plan. You have to have plan A through Z and be ready to implement them at any time. And I think, you know, we heard Brider talk about it. Uh, like, you know, you know the team so well. So it's mm-hmm. like you've already set up your game plans and it's going to be those in-game adjustments. And maybe from game one to game two, you tinker some stuff up during the week and kind of notice things here and there. But at the end of the day, man, like lacrosse is a, it's a unique game where, you know, you have your systems, you have your principles, the coaches obviously make their adjustments, but at the end of the day, the ball is in the player's stick. You know, the defender is matched up at his man and, there's so many times where we just see games decided by one goal and one player step up. Sometimes, you know, it's those heroes that we expect, like Challen Rogers scoring in overtime. But then sometimes it's the most unlikely heroes that score a big goal or make a big play. So uh, that's the beauty of this sport. That's why we love the game. And that's why we can't wait for these games to get going this weekend. Uh, another reason we can't wait is so that we can try to be better and helping you win some money. We went for the fences last week. And a guy caught it even before it got out of the infield. Let's try and do better this week. Time for another round of Box Bets. Time now for Box Bets. Your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL. Brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> All right, like we said, uh, I went for the home run grand slam, put it all in on the table, every penny I owned, and went with a massive four-way parlay last week. Uh, it died after the first game. Uh, <laughs> you are up. Um, we're going to maybe try a little, stay a little closer to home, but what do we got? It's closer to home, but we're riding with the road teams here. Hey, well played. They don't need to win, though, Teddy. Okay. Just a goal and a half for each team. Mammoth plus one and a half against the Seals. Toronto plus one and a half against Buffalo. Folks, this weekend, all we need you guys to do, cheer for close games. We just want close lacrosse games game one conference finals the games are going to be close Mm -hmm. teddy we know you're you're the guy who swings for the fences you're you're the slugger i'm more of the small ball so i'm going with a little bit of a smaller parlay it's at plus 22 plus 220 so we're still getting good value here at Mm -hmm. cool bet for our special parlay but I'm just cheering for good games. I have also talked myself into that these teams are so closely matched in the way that the season's gone, the way that we saw the playoffs unfold. Yes, not as many close games. We saw two one-goal games. I think we're going to see two one-goal games again in week one, and we're going to make some money. Uh, There are some series specials as well. If you go to coolbet.com slash CA slash sports slash lacrosse. Um, I'm kind of liking the most goals in the series head-to-head. 
it's kind of a nice little touch. Dane mm-hmm. Doby, Connor Robinson, maybe Wesley, Westberg, Ryan Lee, and a Westberg Zed Williams. Three different matchups you can pick, but you can also get player totals in the series, players uh, points in the series, goals, um, how long the series goes. Coolbet is really expanding the possibilities this week. It is, and that's the great thing about this is that, you know, cool bets, they're, they're the leaders when it comes to sports gambling in Canada for the National Lacrosse League. Like, you will not find these markets anywhere else. Uh, you'll get some some game odds. You might get some spreads. Maybe you get some player props, but you're definitely not going to get the extensive market here uh, for cool bet. Like, you mentioned it, man, like head-to-head most goals in the series. So, if you're looking for a little more action besides just game one, this is the way to go at it. You can also mm-hmm. pick the series winner. If you think the Buffalo Bandits maybe win game one, but you think Toronto might come back and win two straight, you could always bet Toronto, you know, to win the series overall. Or if you think the Bandits are going to sweep the Toronto Rock, or you think the Toronto Rock, or maybe you think – San Diego is going to sweep Colorado, whatever it is. You can bet them on the spread as well, too. So go to series handicap, take the bandits minus one and a half. Maybe you want to parlay it. Maybe you think that this both goes, you know, three games. Like you said, Teddy, maybe we see it going to three games. So parlay Colorado um, plus one and a half. And then you can parlay Toronto plus one and a half. We'll see what that gets you to minus one seventeen. So not bad, not, not bad. juicy enough for you, but no, that certainly not. seems that's, seems that to be would, a good bet for me. Far away from that one. Teddy is only betting if he sees that plus sign, <laughs> plus sign Teddy. Which hey, yeah. I respect it. But uh, yeah, there's so many options. It's awesome to see. Um, and we talked about it at the start of the year. We talked about it in the off season when the NL really announced that they were going to make a push. Uh, for sports gaming in the industry. Mm-hmm. Well, we know games on TV certainly has helped the growth and is going to continue to help the growth. Uh, for the casual lacrosse fan, putting a little extra money on the games, that's only going to drive more interest as well. So kudos to Coolbet for, for this awesome offering for the playoffs. Yeah, and if you think series are going to go three games, you're probably going to want to maybe bet some player points and Rob Hellier to get... 13 and a half points sounds pretty good to me if it goes three games and Ryan Lee to get 14 and a half points in a three game series sounds pretty good to me. So there are lots of ways that you can participate in these postseason contests. Uh, thanks to our friends at cool bet. So again, <clears throat> we're going with the road teams, keeping it close plus one and a half for Colorado plus one and a half for the Toronto rock head over to coolbet.com play along with us. And as always, Stay cool. Bet responsibly. That's what I love to hear. All right. um, So game one is Friday between the Mammoth and the Seals. Game one Sunday between the Rock and the Bandits. And the rest of the schedule will go like this. Game two at Colorado, Saturday, May 21st. Game three, if necessary, Saturday, May 28th in San Diego. In the East, game one again Sunday, May 15th. Game two, Saturday, May 21st in Hamilton. And if necessary, game three, Saturday, May 28th 
in Buffalo U. John Abbott, Ashley Docking will have the call from Buffalo this weekend. Are you excited to get to Banditland and call a game, Patty? I am like extra jealous because it's like the one arena that's on my list of places to call a game from. I can't. I cannot wait to get down to Bandeland. As you can remember, that was supposed to be my my debut for yeah. TSN for the season. Um, unfortunately, the COVID bug got me, so that took took it away. I went to school down in Buffalo. Um, went to many many Bandits games, Sabers games inside that building. It's a home away from home for me, so I could not be more excited uh, to see Bandit Land on a fun day, Sunday, yeah. Sunday fun day. Sunday, Sunday too. <laughs> and I can't wait to get some wings. I'm absolutely not. Oh, leaving. You're, you're, you're a big wing guy. I'm not, oh, hundred percent. I am not leaving Western New York without getting some wings. I what, have to pick up go some to wings. flavor. Uh, well, when I'm in Buffalo, I, I keep it, you know, just keep it. OG go with a, a medium with a blue cheese on the side. Um, back home in Ontario, at different pubs, a couple of the other, you know, shout out Portly Piper. If it's a, after a, an Ironheads game or a practice, I like to go with the dry rubs, you know, a little lemon pepper, mm-hmm. Cajun. Sometimes I'll sprinkle in the hot and honey. But when you go to Buffalo, man, they keep it, they they don't like to, to get too crazy. Some places do. Um, but when you're going with just an original Buffalo wing, I like to keep it OG with a medium or a hot blue cheese on the side. How about you? Are you a wing guy? I don't mind them. Uh, I like the uh, the blue hots where it's like red hot and blue cheese. I like yep. a, a salt and pepper. I like a lemon salt pepper. Nice. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah, you know, I'm not – I don't like a lot of extra stuff on it. Like I'm not looking for a, a pineapple barbecue or anything weird yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember when I went to Mercer's, we had this place called Quaker Steak and Lube. Oh, yeah. Like oh, yeah. Chain of, of wing restaurants. And yep. the, you had to sign a waiver if you wanted to try like their ultimate hot wing. I <laughs> wouldn't even go close to that. No chance. No, no chance. chance at all. Um, all right. So that will be uh, the TSN game of the week. Again, San Diego, Colorado will be on ESPNU. And of course, uh, you can stream them on ESPN Plus and TSN Direct. Um, we have some lacrosse games this weekend and they are going to be absolutely outstanding. Um, before we get out of here, um, the other pro league had their draft, uh, this week. How did you think that went? It was on ESPN. They had all the coaches in the studio. Um, what did you think of the draft? Can I be, can I be fully transparent with you, Teddy? You didn't can watch I, it. The Leafs were playing, dude. I, the I don't Leafs know who were that playing. is. I don't know who that is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. We're not talking hockey right now. But, yeah, uh, yeah. We're not yeah. talking hockey. I, I Here, hate I, I hate. <laughs> I will say, from based off what I saw from clips on social, the, the set looked great. Yeah. Um, the setup looked good. I liked how it was actually live um, in years past when it was with NBC Sports. It was pre-taped, um, mm-hmm. so things kind of got leaked um, and just kind of looked kind of weird. And I, I get it. The couple last couple of years have been Zoom. I liked the way it was. I would love to get it to an actual draft, like what we see with the NLL with the, all, all the other sports as well. Um, with where the players, you, know, there you mean? Yeah, you have the players on on maybe even have some fans. Um, yeah. You're in a venue rather than in a studio. Um, that, that's me personally, but I get it. This is the way that the PLL thinks they want everything in you know a controlled environment. And um, I thought from what I saw, again, 
I can't be fully, fully honest, or I have to be fully honest. I was watching the buds. Um, actually, quick story. Oh, I wasn't technically I wasn't technically watching the buds because so they go down to nothing, and yeah. I'm fuming. So I'm you know I go all right. You know what? It's fine. This is fine. I'm the 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 meme of of the yeah. dog sitting in his kitchen. Um, drinking the coffee and his house is on fire, except it, mine was a beer. Um, so I went upstairs, you know, the, the, the girlfriend calls my name. I, I can't remember what I went upstairs for. Go upstairs as I'm walking downstairs, leave score. <laughs> and as a joke, my girlfriend's like, you can't go downstairs, and watch the game. You have to stay, you have to stay on the stairs. I was like, you have to right. stay on the stairs. I do have to stay on the stairs. They scored when I was <laughs> on the like stairs. All the way upstairs. Nope. So I'm on the stairs. She goes down, turns the TV up on full blast. I'm listening to the game while I'm sitting on oh the stairs. Leaves end up tying the game. They end up going up. I'm still hearing what's going on. My phone is going off. Oh my God. And I'm like, okay, I gotta, I, I gotta stay here the whole. If they win here, I gotta watch Thursday's game on the stairs. Oh my god, Patty. Then Tampa, Tampa scores. Yeah. And I've already told all my buddies about this. They're all get off the stairs, get off the stairs now. <laughs> I sprint downstairs, sit on the couch, watch the rest of the game. So I listen to the entire game pretty much from the stairs. Um, I don't want to take credit for that win, but I'm oh, it was all you. Credit. It was all me. It was all you. Didn't you see I was third star? But that's enough yeah. hockey. We know. We know. We're not talking hockey because, Teddy, it's okay. It's okay. Game six, as the folks are listening right now, my vibes are high right now. Things could be totally different by the time they listen to this podcast. Game six in Tampa is uh, tonight, we Thursday. Game six in L.A. Oh, we are like – Oilers are – I can't remember what the stat was, but like we're one in eight in postseason overtimes in the McDavid dry sidle era. And again, I know we said we're not talking hockey here, but I will say, man, like normally for you guys, it's like you don't play the team, you get goal out goal lead and your goalie makes a couple of really bonehead mistakes last night. Mm-hmm. I hate to say it, Teddy. LA looked like the better team. It was just McDavid. We got out coached. We got out coached by Todd McClellan. And and McDavid, Ugh. if it's not for McDavid, like a couple of unbelievable plays, like that, yeah. that's a blowout. Like he yeah, kept you in there. But you have the best two players in the series. We do. We There's just no got to denim- find a way to get someone to galuli Jonathan Quick. <laughs> of course, like that's just the so classic hockey man. Like right? a goalie, a goalie who hasn't been elite in so many years now all of a sudden just flips the switch and just yeah. looks unbelievable but. playoff quick i hate him anyway no more of that it'll be game six <laughs> by the time anybody hears this and i may not come out of my shell for four days after that but um the iron heads are in action that's a plan uh t1s are playing we're both yep. on a collision course for the founders championship um uh, looking forward to it you guys uh, have a couple big games this weekend yeah, we've got a game tonight. So last night, um, while you're listening to this, and then the Ottawa teams come down this weekend. And I saw oh. a tweet from uh, a friend of the program, Uncle Frick, saying like, "Whoa, the Gales lost to Nepean and barely beat Gloucester." Like, hey man, like Ottawa lacrosse, it is up and coming. They've been producing some unbelievable NLL talent. And kudos to 
to the capital region, man. Like these two teams are legit and what they're doing um, in the Ottawa region, like they're, they're producing a lot of great lacrosse teams and a lot of great players. Like, like who was the other team? Gloucester. Gloucester. So, yeah. So, I mean, you've seen in the years, uh, last couple of years, a lot of good players come, come out from Mm -hmm. um, both those teams. It's only going to continue, man. They've done a great, great, great job uh, with developing talent. Yeah, it's it's awesome to see, and it's awesome to see the junior, you know, that junior B rank continue to be strong. And obviously, it's sort of a new thing out here in BC. But I just think it's 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 some incredible talent, uh, and uh, we are off to a bit of a hot start. We got two big games this weekend: Saturday, Sunday, and then a rematch with the vaunted Coquitlam Adnax uh, the weekend after. So we got some big games coming up. But we're starting to get kids back from college. Excuse me, kids back from college. So. That's going to boost both of our junior A and tier one teams. So it's uh, it's it's an awesome time for the cross. NLL playoffs, BC Junior League and Ontario League and Alberta Leagues are getting underway. Junior A lacrosse out here starts this weekend. So a lot of lacrosse to be taken in, whether you're on your couch or in an arena. Make sure you enjoy yourselves. Uh, Patty, appreciate as always. You can find him on Twitter at P. Greggy. I am Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner, the show is at OTCB underscore podcast. And you can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Thanks to Bruce Codd. Thanks to Billy Greer. Thanks to Steve Dietrich and Anna McBride. And as always, thank you to you for tuning in each and every week. We are on to the conference finals. Four teams, two best of threes. Two will go home. Two will move on on the chase for the championship. Enjoy the games this weekend. If you go to the game, take a friend. And until we speak again, excellent. Reach out. I am an-